1: Welcome to Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt, and I'm joined, as always, by Amy Bird and Carl Truman, and we're so glad that you're taking time to uh, join us today. We have what I think is a a very interesting and certainly a timely uh, discussion, and and one that, in in some respects, uh, might be fairly new for a lot of uh, Christian listeners, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but our special guest today is uh, Julie Royce. Julie is... um, a, a blogger, she has been a, uh, a, a radio host, she's a journalist, and um, for, for a number of years was a radio host for, for Moody Radio. And she may uh, regale us later with some uh, stories from, from those days. But, but Julie is, um, I think, a, a, a very good journalist and uh, working a lot to address issues that are going on in the contemporary church today. Uh, she is not at all uh, what, it, what is sometimes described as a grievance blogger, the kinds of blogs that trade in innuendo and gossip. Rather, uh, Julie does legitimate journalistic work, some of it investigative as, uh, as we've been seeing, especially um, over, over the last year or so. And uh, so first of all, Julie, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for being with us today.
2: Hey, it's great to be with you. And,
1: really uh, be good, good. Well, we're glad that you've, you've taken the time for us. Let me just also mention while we're at it um, that you can find um, uh, Julie's uh, writing at uh, julieroys.com. Julieroys.com, that is her, her website. She also has had um, uh, writings published in, in various other uh, journals, etc. Most <clears throat> most relevant for our discussion today um, uh, a piece she wrote that has been getting a great deal of attention uh, for World Magazine uh, just recently. And Julie, um, one of the things we want to explore with you is uh, the importance and the role of, of, of Christian journalism or, or journalism from a Christian's perspective, particularly um, as, as a Christian journalist would deal with issues um, uh, related to the church, related to things that harm the reputation of the church, scandals involving pastors. Th- these are things that are certainly paid attention to in secular media, um, but but need the eye and uh, the discernment and the, the, the thoughtfulness of Christian journalists um, as well. And you've been doing that for a long time, most notably um, in these recent days. With the um, current debacle, I guess you could call it, going on at uh, Harvest Bible Chapel in the Chicago area and the pastor, uh, James McDonald, we mention him because uh, he's been a highly influential evangelical pastor over the years. Um, Harvest Bible Chapel is one of the big, uh, one of the larger uh, megachurches in the country with a church planting network, church network. And uh, it's a big story, and you've been kind of at the forefront of addressing uh, what has turned out, it looks like now, to be a full-scale scandal, uh, which is harming the reputation, once again, of the Church of Jesus Christ. Um, Julie, I wonder if you could just quickly bring us up to date as to what is going on in the situation with Harvard.
2: Well, there's so much that's been going on, it's hard to give you the clip notes. I'll do my best to do that. Um, back in December, I did write a piece for World magazine called "Hard Times at Harvest." And it recounted um, issues that have been going on, actually dating back to uh, the 2009, 2010, but in around 2013, <laughs> there were some elders who, eight former elders, who brought to the attention of the current elder board um, just documenting. Uh, disqualifying characteristics, according to scripture, that they felt applied to their senior pastor, James McDonald. And they said, if you'd like specifics on this, we would be glad to bring specifics along with witnesses. But we think that James McDonald is disqualified from being an elder, let alone a pastor, because of uh, these characteristics, Mm -hmm. you know, misleading, not making misleading statements, angry, angry outbursts, um, greed, a love of money. Um, And that, instead of the elder board investigating that, they excommunicated the two elders that were still part of the church, censured, indirectly censured a third. um, And that became, you know, big news. But then uh, that was supposedly solved a a year later with an apology, which if you go back, you can actually see the video of the apology and that excommunication. Um, but the apology wasn't really an apology. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry that we did it in this way. Right. But that was enough to solve it for them. Well, then in the past five years, all sorts of things have been happening. Most notably, uh, in 2017, there was a thing called Harvest Bible Fellowship. It's a network mm-hmm. of about 150 independent harvest churches. And James McDonald, really, with one email, dissolved uh, the church's governance of Harvest Bible Fellowship. And then the entire organization disbanded and ostensibly the church said that was because that was because of, uh, of just him, James McDonald wanting to regionalize and the pastors not being very cooperative with that. Well, it turns out when they did a financial review, there was all sorts of uh, allegations of financial misappropriation and, and these uh, Harvest Bible fellowship pastors saying this church owes us, you know, close to $2 million that they've Mm -hmm. taken from this fellowship and and that that's what was going on behind the scenes. So there's a lot of um, financial, alleged financial uh, misappropriation. We have money that was given to Walk in the Word. This is James McDonald's uh, broadcast ministry that uh, was reaching about 3 million people a day. Mm -hmm. A huge uh, reach that this program had, but donations that were given to Walk in the Word, where he said it on video, that 100% of the donations given by what's called these change partners who would give monthly, that was going to go to buy airtime. Well, what I uncovered in my investigation is that a bunch of money had gone to uh, this camp in Michigan to establish a whitetail trophy deer herd. Right. I don't think a lot of people get the podcast ministry that are expecting money to go to a deer herd. Right. Uh, when Harvest Bible Fellowship closed, they took a million dollars from Walk in the Word to pay for the liabilities of Harvest Bible Fellowship. And then you have James McDonald, who his lifestyle has been uh, an issue for, Mm -hmm. again, dating back to 2013. And he said publicly in 2014, he was going to downsize from this 6,700 square foot home to a smaller home. Mm -hmm. Well, he did that for a few months, but the whole time he's doing that, he's building a larger 6,900 square foot house with a 10 car garage, with a, yes. um, a 2,000 square foot basement. I mean, this thing is
1: massive. Yeah.
2: Yes. He's trying to tell the congregation, no, I did downsize. It's less than 5,000 square feet. And we find out the way he justifies that is because there's a few rooms upstairs he didn't finish off. Right. So, <laughs> he's yeah. so again, there's sort of this deception, this financial misappropriation. And I think part of it that's been most shocking to people has been just the spiritual abuse and just Mm -hmm. abusive behavior towards people. Um, There's one story that I recount in the world article where um, there's a picture of a young pastor that had left staff and now was clearly uh, not in favor with James McDonald anymore. And I have numerous uh, witnesses who said, James saw that picture up on the wall, took a butter knife Mm -hmm. and stabbed the picture in front of 15 to 20 a close associate stabbed this picture repeatedly to Mm -hmm. make a point. Yeah. And that's shocking behavior in, in the, in a pastor, let alone a pastor that has a reach of, you know, radio and TV. He has a a congregation of over 13,000 people. He has seven campuses in Chicago, just added an eighth campus in Naples. And then just yesterday, huge breaking story is that this campus in uh, Naples that a, another pastor had founded and then uh, Harvest this year, just recently in September, had, had taken that campus or that independent church and made it part of Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. When he did that, um, the pastor there did not know, did not know anything about the investigation I was doing, even though Harvest knew about it. And he didn't know about, and again, this has been a huge issue with a lot of people, Didn't know about a lawsuit that the church was planning to file against me and four other um, people. Two of them were bloggers, and then their wives were included in it as well. He didn't know anything about that, didn't know anything about the scandal. And part of it is, you know, part of he says, you know, shame on me for not knowing more and doing my research. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, the lawsuit, they knew they were gonna file it. They never told us. So yesterday he went public, said, we would like you to return our church to local autonomy. We don't want to be a part of this. And James McDonald, who just this week was also removed by his church, uh, put on indefinite sabbatical from preaching and leading in Chicago, was now going down to Naples and was going to yeah. preach down there. And this pastor saying, we don't want you preaching down here. If you're not fit to preach in Chicago, you're not yeah. fit to preach in Naples. And so... Um, that's a huge issue right now. Then they went and fired this pastor after it yes. went public. So, yeah. just, I mean, a, a whole slew of issues right now and a hot mess. And a lot of people, you know, Todd, this is really the tragic part. A lot of good, godly mm-hmm. people who really feel like they were duped or don't know what to believe and they're really confused right now.
1: Yeah. And, and, and this is what's heartbreaking about it is that because of uh, the reach of, of Harvest Bible Chapel, because of the reach of James McDonald's ministry, you have thousands and thousands of people who um, uh, have you know, very much looked up to him and respected him over the years. And now these, these revelations, and, and of course, it seems very clear to me that, that the main reason why they dropped the lawsuit against you, which was fascinating they, they, they decided to, to sue you because they knew that you were writing an investigative piece for world magazine. Right. So they were going to preemptively sue you. Um, but the, the, you know, the reason why they dropped those lawsuits, I think it's patently clear is because um, the judge ruled that uh, you, the, the people who were being sued had right to discovery. You could, you could go back and you could use these various uh, communications, emails, and that kind of thing, which are frankly very embarrassing uh, to harvest. And yes. bottom line is they didn't want that stuff to go public uh, through through court documents.
2: Yeah. And some of it I did get through subpoena. Right. I was able to publish and I had right. more and they knew I had more and they knew I was getting more. Exactly. Um, But yeah, we have one of the elders, a part of the executive committee, which really is this close band of about five men and James McDonald who make all the decisions for the church, Mm -hmm. financial decisions, all the legal decisions. Um, Him actually calling in a text to another, uh, a pastor of one of these Harvest, formerly Harvest Bible Fellowship churches, um, calling the church a cult Mm. and controlling the masses. This is from... One of the top inside ruling right. elders of, of the church. So yeah, yeah I think it, it was clear, Todd.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a scandal. So so Julie, let me ask you this: um, to those um, Christians who you know I, I think are, are sweet and well motivated, but 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 probably um, struggle to apply certain scriptures in a um, in an appropriate way. What would you say to them? Uh, who Who, as a detractor, would say, "Oh, this is just you know airing dirty laundry, and we ought to just let that that church handle that just let just let harvest's leadership handle that, and let 's not air any dirty laundry because that hurts people. How would you reply to someone who says that
2: Well, first of all, the reason I, I did this story wasn 't because I was looking for dirty laundry right um, back in April because I had blown the whistle on some things that were going on at the Moody Bible Institute mm-hmm. um, I found that in the aftermath of that, I became sort of a magnet for whistleblowers, and I started getting yeah. story after story after story, and some of them just heartbreaking, and some of them occurring in small churches where, or small ministries where they're never going to get any attention for mm-hmm. it, and, and it's just sad. Yeah. Um, but from Harvest, I had a whole group of people, including a former campus pastor who, uh, because he decided to plant a church uh, too close to one of the campuses... They kicked his kids out of Harvest Christian Academy, mm-hmm. um, kicked him out of his daughter's eighth grade graduation, um, but yeah. just really bullying, awful behavior. And yeah. they came to me, this group of people that had been hurt and wounded and abused by this church and said, please do something mm-hmm. because people by the hundreds, literally, um, maybe even more than that, thousands over the years, I don't know how many, um, but I know it wasn't, it wasn't hard. People were coming to me left and right. Um, wanting to tell their stories, The scary thing though. Todd was was coming to, coming and telling their stories on the record. That was more challenging. They're they're right. really willing to tell their story anonymously, but yeah. I can't tell those stories. So right. I need you know I needed people to come on the record. Yeah. Right. But again, there's people that are wounded. There's there's wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're preying on the sheep.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I, I think people need to realize that ab- abuse, if it's going to stop, um, needs someone to blow the whistle. Exactly. Ideally be the pastors the elders all of us see that right in scripture that's their job but when that doesn't happen then what you do and and really for for us something that's been a key passage for us is first timothy 5 uh, 20. um and the previous verses you know verse 19 says that you don't bring a charge against the elder without you know two or three witnesses Mm -hmm. but it says when you have an elder who is sinning that you're to publicly expose him Mm -hmm. so that others may take warning Right. You know what, it, what's, what's shocking to me is I never hear that. What I hear right. all the time is Matthew 18, Matthew 18, right. Matthew 18, right. which again, Matthew 18 is really about um, if you have a personal grievance about uh-huh. somebody, with somebody, go to that person first, you know, individually, then if he doesn't listen to two or three others, and then if he still doesn't listen, then take it before the whole church. Right. Again, sort of a, a recipe for personal grievance It's right. not really for a Christian leader who's abusing mm-hmm. his authority and his position.
0: But, yeah, exactly.
2: but that had been done in this case. And mm-hmm. so uh, even if you want to go to that, that passage, uh, we had followed that. But, but I mm-hmm. think First Timothy 5, uh, 20, Christians need to go back and read that, and they need yeah. to study it, and they need to realize that that was put in Scripture, that people might take warning, because this is happening not just at Harvest. A lot of people look at Willow Creek, because Bill mm-hmm. Hybels, what had happened there just recently, yeah. um, there's, there's scandals all over. And I think a lot of them are happening... Because people aren't taking to this to heart, they're not speaking up. They're not publicly exposing because there's this um, this shame that's put on them by other Christians if they do. Right. and and that's just frankly, I think it's wrong and it's misguided and it's allowed sin and evil to flourish in the church.
1: And just on that? the heel, just on the heels of that, Carl, just one second. Um, is is the idea that I just read an article this past week where once again uh, pastors rank at, at you know at near the very bottom. Of, of public respect and we mm. shouldn't be surprised. So Carl, what, what were you gonna ask? So
0: I was gonna to say to Julie, I mean, James McDonald, of course, is somebody who has a profile well outside of Harvest. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I've received a personal phone call from him you know, <laughs> a decade ago when I dared to criticize him. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's not a man who, even, even, even little tiddlers get kind of squashed by much <laughs> mm. But there are a lot of people, there have to be a lot of people in the broader evangelical world who've been very happy to capitalize on James McDonald's name and James McDonald's success when it suits them, who have to know, even if they don't know the same details that you know, they have to know that, you know, all is not well at harvest and James McDonald is not a good role model for Christian leadership. Uh, Why don't they speak up? Why, why is it you? Why is it a journalist who's having to do this uh, and not somebody who might actually have immediate and direct power and influence within this world?
2: That's the million dollar question, right? Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I think the bottom line is he can destroy you.
0: Mm, and mm. he
2: has destroyed people. Mm. Uh, Dave and, and Betsy Corning here, Dave was a 21 year elder uh, on. At the church, his wife had this ministry um, to called Entrusted and just a, a beautiful ministry. Um, they were punished when they left. So many people shunned when they left. Mm. Um, and if you speak out in, in big Christian circles, um, and I knew this, I know how it goes, um, because the minute I spoke up about, about Moody, there were conferences where I was going to speak that got canceled mm-hmm. immediately. There were book engagements that got canceled. I mean, that, that just happens. You, you, um, you do get punished. And I remember back when I was at Moody, um, going, to, uh, going to the senior VP of Moody Broadcasting. And back in 2012, when it came to like that James McDonald was uh, gambling in Vegas. And I came to him and I said, you know, Greg, this, this isn't right. That this is not a godly man. Why is he on Moody Radio with Walk in the Word? What is going on here? And he assured me, no, Julie, we're, we're, uh, we're working with him. We, we, we are. And he, he's, he's repentant. We're working with him personally and professionally. Um, and so I was really hoping for, for real change. And I thought, well, you know, who am I? If, if he's repentant and, and they're working with him, good. And then, you know, only, what, a year later, it comes out. World Magazine did an expose talking about uh, not just the gambling that James McDonald was doing, but that uh, he was actually gambling with Jerry Jenkins, who happens to be right. the chairman of the board at the time of Booty Bible Institute. Uh-huh. So I wasn't aware of that at the time, but then it all came out and it's, it's this kind of good old boy network at the top yeah. that is really, really devastating. Um, but it is rampant. And, uh, and I know even from, From the gentlemen who were part of that first excommunication, there were some very big name pastors who were brought in by James McDonald to try and negotiate um, a settlement there so that that would go away. And again, big Christians being brought in, whether they're duped or whether they're doing it because they see their own benefit, I don't know, Um, but it is happening And it happens all the time in evangelicalism.
1: You know, it's really interesting is back at the, at the elephant room uh, debacle where uh, he and, and uh, Mark Driscoll decided to um, join hands with T.D. Jakes. And of course, at that time, uh, Driscoll and and McDonald were on the, um, the, the, the the council for the gospel coalition. And, Mm -hmm. and, and after that debacle, Um, you know, there was this uh release of, oh, you know, James has decided to kind of go his, you know, own own way, you know, gonna just do something different now, yada yada. And and it's and it's that kind of thing that you're talking about here is 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 that the gospel coalition had an opportunity Mm -hmm. to say, we take um heresy very seriously. And T. D. Jakes is a heresy, and those men on our council treated him like a brother and Mm -hmm. did not challenge him but blessed him instead and so as a result of that these two men are no longer on our council because mm-hmm. that because the truth matters to us they had a chance to do something really helpful at that point which could have helped some then later victims of mm-hmm. both those churches but 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 men who could have spoken out um didn't and they treated it like it was just kind of a friendly parting of the ways between brothers
0: when that's not what it was mhm that's when I got my telephone call. <laughs> I know. I also got a telephone call from a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School on the yes, same issues. Yes, uh, I, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little bit of that backstory, but yeah. uh, I don't have anybody
2: on the record that's willing to.
0: <laughs> hey, i go on the Carl knows where the bodies are buried oh yeah I, 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 I think they've taken everything from me they can at this point Hey, Amy I think you had a question
3: yeah oh yeah I was um, kind of backing up a little bit you used the word repentant that you know one of the uh, explanations they gave to you oh he's repentant and I, I've noticed that on social media too um you know, these uh, so-called uh, apologies that are given, um, and we hear about a, a peacemaking process. Yeah. And so and so many people are like, oh, okay, good. Um, you know, where do you see your role, too, as a as a journalist? And I appreciated, you know, what you have written about, uh, what repentance actually is, you know, being able to discern the nature of a public apology.
2: Yeah, um, uh, it comes to mind what Lee Strobel used to say, because um, he used to be, as you know, Lee Strobel author, and but he used to mm-hmm. be a Chicago Tribune journalist, and I used to know. Well, I still know Lee, <laughs> but I know uh, more when he was uh, at Willow Creek here in the Chicago area. Um, but he used to say that on the office uh, at, at the Tribune, he had a plaque or something up there that said, "If your mother says you love, or if your mother says she loves you, check it out." And there's a skepticism that journalists where uh, we want to see, we want to see evidence. Right. Mm. Right. But but scripture says that when it comes to repentance, there should be fruit of repentance. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's really, really easy to get up there and give an apology. The question is, where is the fruit of repentance? Mm. I mean, Mm -hmm. for example, big harvest came out just this week, as you mentioned, say they wanna go through a peacemaking process. Well, okay, gentlemen, uh, you just dropped this lawsuit and and I put something up on my blog uh, outlining just blatant lies in that lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. not just lies that are unprovable, ones that are provable, ones that they Mm -hmm. knew were false. So it wasn't like, oops, they made a mistake. They knew these were false and they put them in. If you're gonna enter into a peacemaking process with someone, don't you think at base they should start owning a little bit of the things that are just so blatantly wrong? Yeah. So, right. I mean, I, I don't put a lot of weight in this peacemaking process when they haven't owned their sin. That's right mm-hmm. in front the of their face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first step. And even again, I say, go, go back and listen. It's, it's fascinating to listen to the apology that James McDonald gave for publicly excommunicating these three godly men. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, the excommunicated two censured a third indirectly, but the apology is essentially saying, Well, we were right, but we were wrong in the way we were right. Mm, you know, right. it was like, We, these men needed to be excommunicated, but we did it too harshly. I mean, the
0: tone could have off. been better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah.
2: So, yeah. Amy, good question. I mean, it just it really, we need to see fruit of repentance. And again, Christians, these. People that prey on the sheep are very manipulative, mm-hmm. and they're very mm-hmm. good yeah. at all of the triggers that are there for Christians. They're really good at, at tugging at the grace, and the they know how to manipulate and take those scriptures and use them against you. And I think Christians mm-hmm. need to get a little bit, a little bit wiser, a little mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: You know, we're all about mortifying spin here. I yeah. mean, I think that's kind of what your job is too, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: How you do know, you was- avoid gossip? Julie, as a, as a Christian journalist, I mean, mm. what, the, it, it, I think you do an extremely important job. But I can imagine somebody saying, yeah, but isn't this kind of bottom feeding, tittle tattle kind of stuff? What are the kind of things that you, in your own approach to your calling, have in place to make sure that, you know, you're not accidentally ruining the reputation of, of, a, 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 of a decent person who's been misrepresented, if I could put sure. it that way?
2: Well, and I like that at the beginning, Todd, you, you drew a distinction between what I do and the grievance mm-hmm. bloggers or what Harvest has been calling attack bloggers, right, right. Um, which, again, is just an ad hominem argument. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, you know, right. if, you, if you label somebody with a nasty uh, attack blogger kind of mm-hmm. uh, title, well, then people write them off. But, yeah. um, but there is a difference. And, it, and it's interesting because there's been this past year, there's been two. Uh, sort of, I, you know, call them grievance blogs um, that, that have been a part. Like when I was at, um, with reporting on Moody, there was a thing called The Broken Twig, uh, which was anonymous bloggers who were reporting on Moody. And then there was another one called um, The Elephant's Debt, which was part of the lawsuit yeah. against me. Um, and these guys have been running their blog for about six years. They have very different standards than I do. Right. Um, although I think a lot of what the Elephant's Fed has reported has been true. Mm-hmm. But what they'll do is they'll report things that they believe are true without attributing it, attributing it to people by name. Mm-hmm. And as a journalist, I mean, that's just one of those things. The only time that I will report an anonymous source is if there's some sort of imminent danger for mm-hmm. that person um, or if it's clear that they'll lose their livelihood if they do. Uh, and even then, I'm reluctant because there's an awful lot of people at Harvest who would have talked to me if they weren't afraid of losing their job. And I, I really just said, no, I need people on the record. Yeah. who will get their name. And even with that, we needed like um, two or more sources. We, we had a really Marvin Alasky at World is pretty tough. He's <laughs> yeah. a tough editor, yeah. but mm-hmm. he does that because uh, for a reason because yeah. We, yeah. Don't wanna, we don't want to we don't want to report something false. Um, and so we, I never rep- report rumor. Um, people give me rumors all the time. And I say, well, who's the first person witness uh, who can verify this? Who will go on the record? And usually, I, I would say probably 70, 80% of the people that come to me go you know, walk away with that one because <laughs> they're not willing to go on the record. But I do think that is critically important. And, and to me, the first journalist is, is Luke, right? Mm-hmm. Right there it says in the first chapter, uh, he's not an eyewitness himself, but he went and investigated these things. He went and interviewed the eyewitnesses, and then he made uh, a, an account for Theophilus so that he would know these things are true. So I think there's a, a real ver- validating of the journalist's job there in Luke. But again, you have to go to those eyewitnesses. You have to get those eyewitnesses um, to state who they, who they are on the record, come clean, because a lot of people... Will say a lot of crazy things under the cloak of anonymity.
1: Right. Yeah. And and if you if you all will um, access uh, Julie's piece over at over at World Magazine, you'll see it's just standard uh, journalism, the way you would read it. Uh, standard responsible journalism, the way you read it um, anywhere uh, anywhere else. And so when you hear some of these dismissals from uh, those who have a vested interest in in these things not not being true, they'll 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 probably lump her in with uh, you know just this kind of grievance blogging thing. But actually, her pieces on this have just been stand, uh, standard uh, journalism, and yet a kind of Christian journalism in that it's it's addressing something of of unique concern to Christians or something that ought to, ought to at least be you know unique concern to Christians from a a worldview that is fundamentally um, fundamentally Christian and. And one of the things that I've, I, I've thought of before, and I, and I think of as a pastor, is, um, you know, Lord, don't, don't let me um, live to do something that would bring disrepute upon your name or upon your, your church. And I, just last night, I don't know if any of you all saw it, but just last night, um, Dateline ran a, a fascinating uh, two-hour uh, piece on the, um, the Jim Baker PTL scandal of 1987. Mm. And it is fascinating, but the thing that I thought of, again, as I, as I remembered those, those days, as well as what our discussion would be today, is just how important it is um, for Christians to be speaking out loud when famous Christians um, uh, scandalize the name of Christ and, and damage the reputation of the church. We need Christians saying, that's wrong, and it shouldn't be that way.
2: Tyler, can I add one thing because I want to make sure to say this: Um, the guys that ran the elephants debt. Yeah. Just because they came up, I want to just say these guys, though they haven't been trained as journalists, Mm -hmm. what they have done and persisted in for six years. Had they not done that, none of this would have come to light.
1: Yes, I think you're right. So
2: I just I want to say that you know you know they get lumped in, they get called attack bloggers, grievance Mm -hmm. bloggers. These men, to the best of their ability tried to tell the truth and I think have done a, a pretty yeah. decent job of it, even though they haven't done it the way a trained journalist would, Yeah, but they have lost jobs because of it. Right. They have, I mean, unbelievable attacks. And they did this for six years. Mm-hmm. And you know, the church owes them a great deal of gratitude for what they did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm deeply grateful yeah. for what they did. Well, that
3: leads me to another question is like, when you look at yourself and your responsibility as both a Christian and a journalist to, to call out this kind of damaging, sinful patterns that you see, I mean, you're often, as you know, we've talked about, labeled the bad guy and, and getting in the way of the Lord's work even or and being unnecessarily divisive. And, and then, you know, you've got you a lawsuit <laughs> against you um, and, you know, you're being called an enemy to a so-called ministry. How do, how do you handle it all?
2: Well, um, I think I have an unusual personality. <laughs> I grew up in a family where I was the baby of four. And um, my brother, who I love to this day, um, very close to, but um, he gave me a hard time. I <laughs> think mm. God, uh, knew, God knew exactly what he was doing when, when he put me in that family. It, it gave me the personality he did. Um, but God has provided in incredible ways. Um, mm. for example, uh, the lawyer that represented me through this whole thing, uh, is a friend of mine from church and I mm. called him and I said, I remember the day that they did this and I, I said, Charlie, help. They just did, this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they,
2: they just filed this lawsuit against me. I, I don't know what to do. And he said, tell me, you want me to represent you? I'm like, uh, mm. uh, you know, cause I'm wondering what, what are, what does that mean? You know, what, what are the <laughs> yeah. dollar signs? Right. He said, just tell me you want me to represent you. I'll, I'll do it pro bono, or I'll do it on contingency. Just tell me you want me to. And what, you know, to, to have somebody, and he's a fantastic attorney, and mm-hmm. he was behind me 100% the whole way just because it was the right thing to do, not because he thought he could get money out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't have functioned without him. Um, so I'm deeply grateful to him. And, and I've had, actually three other lawyers reach out to me. Just, Hey, do you wow. want make us brief? Do you want, you know, how can we help you? How can we it's support wonderful. you? So godly lawyers are really a blessing to the body of Christ. Um, but beyond that, I have an entire, there's, there's like over 30 people who went on the record with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have somebody who regularly sends out updates to all of them on how they can pray for this process and pray for me. Um, I have people that are part of my own a prayer list that have been on my prayer list for years that i send out regularly they pray for me um so i don't do this alone i see this as it always any one of these investigations are always a team effort you can never do them alone and they're built on trust and and they're also built on on just a work of the holy spirit I, i've never done one of these without feeling like the holy spirit is in this and he's moving and he's working and um, so there's a lot of prayer and a lot of support, and this is the body coming together. And I wish people could see what goes on behind the scenes because uh, I, I was saying just yesterday, one of the big silver linings to this whole thing are the beautiful people because I get to see the cream of the crop because these are people who courageously are stepping forward mm-hmm. and willing to speak up, and and I get to partner with them, and it's an incredible privilege um, to work with them in something like this, and I just consider it an honor. They're they're amazing.
1: You know um, b- beyond the what I hope is, is the obvious implications this has for the need um, for, for godliness, piety um, among pastors, but also the need for courageous and godly elders when, um, when it turns out that that their pastor has strayed in, in a more significant way that, you know, beyond just a simple corrective, but but when they're past, when it's become clear um, that they don't have a godly man for a pastor, you've got to have courageous elders, don't you?
2: You absolutely do. And and that's part of the problem here. I mean, we have what some have called a puppet elder board. Yeah. We have people who aren't willing to step up, but then you have to realize too, they have the way it's been structured. At Harvest, and I think this is going to be one of the big postmortem discussions is elder boards and, and how they operate mm. and how they're structured. But uh, in 2000, you know, around 2010 or so, they took the power out of the elder board mm. um, and and took a lot of the, the legal and the financial decision making uh, out of the elder board. They later created this super elder board mm. or executive committee, as they called it. And that was one of the things that these elders who were excommunicated when they first came and complained, it was because they were supposed to approve a budget and all they got was a pie chart. They didn't get any line item um, budget from the the executives. They didn't get, um, they didn't know the salary of James McDonald or any of his family members, which all of them are on the payroll and they didn't, wow. they didn't get any of the salaries of the other executive leadership team. And so they were like, how can we approve this budget? And so when you take that completely out of, um, out of the hands of the elder board, and it's in this really tight-knit group of, of five men and the, and the, the pastor. And here's the, the other shocking thing to me. And this whole thing, the ECFA, who's you know, this financial accrediting yeah. organization, um, they came in and gave it a full, you know, thumbs up right. uh, in December when they came in. And they came in because we had tipped them off to some things. And mm-hmm. still came in and gave it a thumbs up. Um, yeah. That's, that's going to be another very interesting thing that needs to be looked into in the days ahead.
1: Yeah, pretty, pretty loose standards there, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, thanks mm-hmm. for coming on to talk to us today,
3: Julie. Uh, we just really appreciate all the work that you're doing
2: well thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been definitely. A and awesome.
3: Yeah, and and thanks to yeah. our listeners. I encourage you to go over to Julie's website julieroys.com so that you can follow her reporting and also you can head on over to our website at mortification. uh, mortificationofspin.org, uh org, where we also are trying to mortify the spin that we see in our circles. And we also have a area where you can donate to help the podcast to continue to go on. And given the topic of our conversation today, uh, we have a resource available to you that we would like some of our listeners to win. So if you go over to our website at mortificationofspin.org, you can register to win a Reformation heritage book titled, An Able and Faithful Ministry, Samuel Miller and the Pastoral Office by James Garrettson. So you can register to win over at our website, mortificationofspin.org. And we thank you for listening today, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... Listeners
3: season. don't see what's really and happening.
1: And they, they don't see my face tattoo that I just got either. And so <laughs> I'll, I'll want to show that off. And of course, I'll appear shirtless. I shaved a heart into my back hair. And so ooh, I want people to see that.
0: Call me Sasquatch, baby. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spins.
3: These groups are mostly from churches. In fact, this weekend, we have a group of OPC and PCA churches bringing 206 campers into our camp. Some weekends, we do sponsor our own retreat where we bring in a speaker. Uh, they talk, he talks about how they see themselves as an appendage to the church, not a replacement for the church.
1: Like a skin tag? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> uh, we see ourselves as a skin tag <laughs> in, the armpit,
0: <laughs> in the armpit of the church.
3: He says, do you see Peace Christian kids, camps uh. and conferences as a group that there, is there to assist the church or as a hindrance or a nuisance for taking people away from Sunday morning corporate worship? Then he also said, Amy, be encouraged. Adolescent boys always pick the hardest on the girls they like.
0: You put up with them well.
1: Mm. <laughs> there you go there you go
0: <gasps> that was a really nasty cackle there <laughs> I was like you
3: will laugh <laughs>